Good, a couple of other announcements. I want this time, um, this is actually a series of three times when we're going to be looking at the vision and direction of Redeemer. So the 12th, the 19th, and the 16th, we're going to be talking about the three distinctives of Redeemer. And so I want to encourage you to try to be here for all of these. As I said, this is functioning as our Inquirer Seminar. So if you're interested in becoming a member here, we want you to come to all three of those. In fact, I should start a handout. Barry, maybe you could help me with a... uh, Turn one of those sheets over and put a name, email, and address and start circulating that around. That would be helpful. And I can send you a link to the, uh, this section as well. I want this to be an interactive time. I'm going to be asking questions and you're going to be responding uh, uh, to them as we go through this time. You know, churches are like people. There is commonality that we all share with one another. We are all part of the human race. But churches are also different, like people are different. They grow up to different sizes and different shapes, and that's part of the beauty of God's kingdom, because they're all sorts of different people. And so the question we're trying to examine today is, what is the vision that God is calling Redeemer to grow up into? Because there's a big difference between unity and uniformity. God is calling His church to be unified, but not to be uniform. And so what is our distinctive, our particular footprint? Now some people may say, well, why do we have to do this? I mean, we have the scriptures. Why do we need to try to come up with some common vision and direction? We have the scriptures. It's, it's the book. You know, that's what we need to follow. And, and that's very true. But one of the things that I think we need to do, why we need to come up with our common vision and direction, is because of this. And can everyone see this? This is a magnifying glass. Okay, it was kind of cool. I was on vacation with my children. Now, never give a magnifying glass to children because they figure out something, and that is focus. See, they're playing around with it, and then all of a sudden they start to bring it down, and as the different uh, lens gets in the correct focal point, instantly it starts to burn. Now, why is that? It's because focus has occurred, that all of the aspects of the lens have become unified. There's something very powerful when there's focus, whether it's in a lens or in an organization. Anyone ever been a part of a business that had a lot of focus to it? Has anyone been a part of a business that lost its focus? I see a lot of heads there. It's all over the place. There's no focus. You know, churches can have focus as well. And so God is giving us a unified focus so that we can have maximum impact in the particular area that God has called us to have an impact with. We're going to talk about the three distinctives of Church of the Redeemer. If you look at the top three distinctives, I'm going to go ahead and give them to you now as a sneak preview. If you want to know what are the things we're going to talk about the next three weeks, here are the three distinctives of Redeemer Church. Number one, Redeemer is a home. One word, home. Redeemer is a home. Number two, Redeemer is a mission. Redeemer is a home and Redeemer is a mission. And then our final point, Redeemer is a training center. Home, mission, and training center. And each week we're going to be talking about this. In the beginning, you need a, uh, right there is a section. They're going to be talking about home this week. Next week we're going to be talking about mission. Next week we're going to be talking about training center. So home, mission, training center. In fact, I want it to be so when I'm walking around and I run into a person at Redeemer and I'm going to ask him a question, you think I'm going to ask you a Bible verse or I'm going to ask you what I talked about in the sermon that, that day? Absolutely not. I'm just going to ask you one question. What are the three distinctives of Church of the Redeemer? Home Mission Training Center. Home Mission Training Center. Home Mission Training Center. Well, let's talk about this first distinctive, home. 
Now, I don't know how many of you remember the war with uh, Kuwait in 1992-93, the invasion of Kuwait. Okay, when Hussein came into Kuwait and, you know, there were a lot of Americans in Kuwait at that time, in Kuwait City. And so I want you to imagine with me that you were in Kuwait City. And let's say that I gave you the option, there would be only one place you would go, one place you could go, and you would have to stay there for the entire war. You're in Kuwait City, you couldn't leave Kuwait, there's one place you could go, and you would have to stay there the entire time. Let me ask you, where would you want to go? It's not a rhetorical question. Boom. U.S. Embassy. Why? Because that's American soil. And I don't know if you've been overseas, but I've been overseas, and there's nothing like the U.S. Embassy when you walk in, and it's just a slice of America. You see, the church, very similar to Kuwait, is an embassy that we're not quite home yet, that we suffer from this issue of knowing that we're not quite home yet, but God has given us an embassy which to come which to be strengthened, which to be nourished. And so I've softened that word from embassy, and I'm using the word home. So Church of the Redeemer is committed to being a home which makes mature and equipped followers of Christ. That's distinctive number one. Church of the Redeemer is committed to being a home which makes uh, mature and equipped followers of Christ. And because of that, Church of the Redeemer seeks to be people-oriented. Key word, people-oriented. We are committed to viewing the individual as the most important aspect of the church. Now, what do, you, what do I mean when I say people-oriented? I want to talk about that. Here's what I want to do. I want you to take a home, and I want you to compare it to a business. Tell me some of the differences between a home and a business in terms of what's, what goal they're trying to accomplish. Let me get some feedback from the crowd. Nice and loud for the camera, please. What's the difference? Business has to do with making money. Okay, that's very good. And how do they make money? They have a specific service or product. Okay, so there we go. That's very good. What about a home? Somebody tell me, how's a home different than that? Yes, Michelle. It's for rest and for nurture. Okay. Family. Okay, does a home have a product? Anyone have kids? Okay, home does have a product, but what's the product of the home? <laughs> no, it's not insanity, thank you. <laughs> the product of a home is our people, the relationships between people. It's the people that we have. See, the key difference is in the end, the business has a product that it's trying to raise up, but a home has a people that they're trying to raise up. Whether it's your kids or your spouse, growing up to maturity is the goal of a healthy home. See, think about it. What are our desires for our children? Our desires are for them to grow up into maturity. We want to see them mature and grow into the people that they were meant to be. You know, it's amazing as I look at my children and watch them continue to just sprout up and grow more and more into the people that God has called them to be. Well, God is just thinks that exact same way about this home called the church. God is interested in maturity maturing his people. So for instance, Romans 8.29 says this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Notice that. For those God foreknew, 
he predestined to become conformed to the likeness of his son. If you're wondering what is the end goal for you and me, the end goal is Jesus. For us to grow up into that image of the perfect man, Jesus Christ, God who became man. And so we have to ask the question, how do we grow our kids up to maturity in the home? Tell me some of the things that are important as you have children or maybe as you were a child in growing up a a child to maturity, what are some of the things that they need? Security? Okay, they need to feel safe. Excellent. Other things? Leadership? Okay, they don't know how to get from here to here. They need someone to help lead them. That's great. Love. Absolutely. Love. Without love, all is lost. Role model. They need a picture. Discipline. There you go. Absolutely. Discipline. Yes. Any other thoughts? Any other thoughts? Grace. They need grace for when they mess up and screw up and they will invariably. In fact, that's how we grow, isn't it? By making mistakes and figuring it out the next time. Yes? They need food. No food, no grow. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, we've listed a variety of different needs. I think that's the word that I'm looking for here. We are committed to meeting the many and very, this is 1.2, very needs of the individual in order to help them grow. Now, there are two different categories of needs. And I will call these needs felt needs, and I will call these needs unfelt needs as well. Am I in the right place here? Yes, thank you. Felt needs and unfelt needs. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about church, for instance. Let's take this concept of needs and apply it to church. We have some felt needs as a church. What are some felt needs that you had walking into this service? Aside from coffee. Coffee is one of the top felt needs. I think people come to our church. Why? Because of the coffee and the bagels. Other felt needs that you might have had walking into this church. Relationships. Needing to be in community with people. That's a very strong felt need. What else? Clarification. Clarification in terms of how I must live, how I must grow, how I must, what I must do. Excellent. What else? Acceptance. Acceptance. Very good. Encouragement. Encouragement. By the way, am I too loud here? Do you, do you need this much volume? I'm okay? Okay, excellent. These are all sorts of... Go ahead. Instruction. Instruction. Okay, a lot of felt needs here. How about unfelt needs? What are some unfelt needs that we might have? These are harder because they're unfelt. Grace. Excellent. We need grace. Okay, anything else? Unfelt needs. We need prayer. Excellent. We need, how do I share the gospel with people? I don't know how to do that. Sometimes we don't even know what we don't know. You know, these unfelt needs. It's kind of like a kid. You know, a kid, when we serve a plate in front of them, we've got the good stuff. And then we've got the so-called ungood stuff. Broccoli, how many kids like broccoli or spinach? Broccoli or spinach is an unfelt need. Okay? Pop-tarts, felt need. Spinach, unfelt need. And yet it's the spinach, isn't it, that helps us to grow up into maturity in Christ. A good balanced diet is what helps people to grow. And so a church needs to provide felt needs and unfelt needs. And we're going to talk more about that as well. You know, there's some churches that are totally focused on meeting felt needs. Okay? The sweets, if you were, which are all good. Community, worship, blah, 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 blah. But some of those unfelt needs, discipleship, equipping, learning to surrender, 
How do I parent? How do I love my spouse? How do I take care of my finances? You know, the scriptures are profoundly ethical, explaining to us how we should live. But left to ourselves, we'll go to the felt needs every time. So Redeemer wants to be committed to meeting the felt needs and the unfelt needs. So we move to 1.3. We are committed more to building people more than building church programs. Okay, what's the difference? We want to shape our programs around growing our people, not vice versa. See, there's a tendency to go the other way, isn't there? We're going to build a program and then we're going to serve the program. Serve the program. Throw people at the program. No, I want to flip that and let's do it the exact opposite. What are the programs we need to develop our people in equipping and resourcing them with their felt and their unfelt needs? And so we want to be a church that's always asking the question, why? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is it going? Well, some people might say, well, look, we need to have this program because that church has this program, that church has a program, that church has that program. If we don't have that program, uh, we're going to run that thing through the grid of why. And that means also we're committed to starting programs and stopping programs because we're always more focused on people. Our programs are important, but they center around our people. Now, I said that there were several things that you needed to help uh, a child grow, to help someone grow. And the first is we have to meet needs. We just talked about that. But there's a second thing that you need to help people grow. And that second thing is called a plan. A plan is important for helping us to keep on track with growing our people. Needs and a plan. Now, some people may say, why, why bother with a plan? We don't need a plan. The Lord is the Lord. He's in charge. He's going to grow us. Yes, that's all absolutely true. But all too often, the way that the Lord works is through the means of people, specifically through His church. And so we need a plan. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say after this time, we wanted to all go out to eat. Okay, so on the count of three, we're all going to shout out where it is that we want to go to eat. On three. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. Roomy Tuesday. I heard welcome to Moe's from someone. That was nice. <laughs> okay, we got a lot of different choices here. There's a lot of ways we can end up. We need a plan. <laughs> I couldn't hear that. We need a plan, we need, which involves a destination for one thing. Where are we trying to go? See, we all got to get, if you will, on the same page. I've got a handy dandy little map here. See, we need a map of where it is that we're trying to go, a common destination. Because something happens if we all jump in our respective cars and we all go to the restaurant of our choice. We're going to be on the phone calling one another and we're never going to get to the restaurant and we're never going to eat. And so we need a common destination in our plan. Now there's another reason why we need to have a plan. is because often it's much more difficult to get from point A to point B than we think it is. We need directions. We need, you know, if you're going to a party or whatever, what do they do? I love, you know, Google Maps now. Google Maps on my phone is like brilliant, whoever thought of that. Because I can just push the button and it can help guide me in where I need to go. We need a common destination and we need common directions in where we're trying to go. And, you know, here's the truth. Sometimes that destination is far away from where we're trying to get. And if you don't have a map... It's easy to get discouraged. 
I'm never going to get there. How many people have kids in the car? You're going on a long trip. When are we going to get there? You're trying as much as possible to give them little roadmaps, little dots, little markers so they know where they are. I don't know if anyone uh, recently ran the Rock and Roll Marathon, but you know, it's 13 miles. Every mile there's a band and there's a big mile marker. Mile one, two, three, because it encourages us and helps us know that we're getting along the path. Now here's the, the, another reason why you need a plan with directions and a common destination, because it's easy for people to get on board with it. Okay, I don't know how many people have gone up to D.C., uh, how many people use the metro ever? Okay, a lot of people use the metro. Metro is one of the most brilliant things. Okay, it's very easy. I grew up in Falls Church, and if I wanted to go to the Smithsonian, it was very easy. I knew exactly what I needed to do. I needed to get to East Falls Church, and I get on the Orange Line going to Smithsonian. Okay, and what's amazing is when I get on the Orange Line going to Smithsonian, everyone else is on the Orange Line going to Smithsonian too. It's amazing how that happens. Now, what if I got on that train, but everyone's like, no, I'm taking the blue line going to, you know, Farragut, and I'm taking the black line going to New Carrollton, I'm taking just mass chaos. But if there's a very organized, easy way, everyone knows the direction you're going with, guess what? It's very easy for someone to come along and say, you know what, I want to get on that train too. Because we've communicated and displayed this is in the direction that we're going, and we're bringing like-minded people in. So these are some of the reasons why it's valuable to have a plan of where we're going. Are there downsides to it? Of course there are. But I would argue that the upsides are more for having a plan of where we're trying to get. And so Church of the Redeemer, this is point two, seeks to be plan-oriented. Now I want to take us through a couple of questions here about who we are and why we exist. But I encourage you, you know, these are questions that can be placed anywhere. You know, I don't know if anyone's involved with business here. But if you have a business, you ask people, do you have a business plan? Most large corporations say, absolutely. And you ask them the question, how important is your business plan to your business? You know what they're going to say? It's critical. Well, what about a life plan? Or a family plan? I know where I'm trying to go. These questions can be used in that area as well. Well, let's look at the first question. Uh, which is that we are committed to a God-honoring purpose. This answers the question, why do we exist? Why does Church of the Redeemer exist anyways? Well, here is the answer. We exist to glorify God and to enjoy Him. That is the purpose of Redeemer Church, to glorify God and enjoy Him. You know, God-centered vision is so important. We have to understand that God is in the center of this church because what would happen if we changed this statement? What if the purpose of this church was not to glorify God, but to glorify man and to enjoy Him? Tell me the difference between a church that glorifies man and glorifies God. Just give me a couple feedbacks from the crowd. Superficial? Because deep down we are really superficial, aren't we? That's a joke. Deep down we are really superficial. Thank you. Turn the tape off. Okay, <laughs> let's keep going. What else? Difference between a man-centered church and a God-centered church. Harmony? Okay, we'd, we'd, uh, anybody read the book Lord of the Flies? Okay, same thing. If man is in the center of it, well, it's whoever speaks the loudest gets to be in charge, doesn't he? That's great. Anybody else? Man's in church, go ahead. God's power. Excellent. Okay, God-centered vision, God in the center. God will glorify that which glorifies God. 
But God will not glorify that which does not glorify God. And so, that's excellent. We want to make sure we put God in the center. All too often, if we put, don't put man in the center, then someone else becomes the God. You know, I never want this to be a pastor-centered church. Oh, yeah, we got this guy. It's Carlos' church. It's not Carlos' church. Okay, I'm one of these guys that you can put me in and you can swap me out and this thing's going to keep riding. Why? Because it's a God-centered church and we're serving the vision of what God has called us to be, not one person. Okay, so we're committed to a God-centered purpose, to glorify God and enjoy Him. Second, we are committed, this 2.2, to non-negotiable values. This is answering the question, what is most important to us? Now, this is an extremely important question. You know, the word itself, a value, think about it. What do we value? What do we lift up? What do we say, look, this is a central part of who we are and what we value in this church. Now, one of the things I've been doing is meeting with many of you and asking questions about Redeemer and the, the, the DNA of Redeemer. We've had times where we've gotten together and met early at the beginning where we even put whiteboards up on the wall and we're asking the questions, what are the distinctives of Redeemer? What makes Redeemer special? And I've been listening and taking notes and distilling all of this information into what I consider to be sort of the non-negotiable values of who we are as a church. Now, it's not exhaustive. Certainly, we have lots of values. But I would say that these, based on my analysis of of talking with you, I would say these are the values of Redeemer Church. Um, we see a list here. I'm going to start with the second one. We model, you see, A, who we are values, authenticity. Authenticity is one of the core values of Redeemer Church. What does a church look like that has authenticity? Somebody give me some feedback. An authentic church, what does it look like? Transparent. Transparent. Okay, give me more than that. Clear motives. Clear motives? Not suspicion of ulterior motives. Okay, what you see a little bit is what you get. We're being open and honest with one another. We're coming. We're trying to live as a community with all our foibles and mistakes and so forth. We're, 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 we're not posing. We're coming as real people. That's excellent. Anything else? Authentic. Yeah, Mike. Humble. Humble. Okay, excellent. We're, we realize if we're going to be authentic, you know, that's a bit of... Letting your guard down and people see, guess what? You aren't God's gift to humanity. You're just a normal person in need of grace, just like you and me. Yeah, Ray? Consistent with the gospel. Okay? Because we're authentic, we are, we are, there's no hidden motive or agenda. There's no manipulation going on. We're not trying to play a shell game, if you will. Tim? Transparent. Excellent. We're transparent with one another. Yes, Ken? We're repentant. Why? Repenting. We're repenting. Um, living, living out the brokenness of the sin in our lives and, and repenting and confessing the gospel. Modeling Excellent. Okay, we're walking in faith. You know, gosh, doesn't that sound like a great church to be a part of? Where you can come. You know, I found myself, it was kind of funny yesterday, I found myself, for no reason whatsoever, singing the theme song to Cheers. <laughs> Remember? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to go where people are. People are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. That's what we're looking for. Authenticity. Okay, how about the next one that goes down? We demonstrate love. 
Okay, if someone said, look, you can have the best church in the world, you can have a gazillion people, you can have the building, you can have the whatever, but you can't love one another, we say, time out, no good, no good. We need love. We need to model love to one another. Why? Because Christ modeled love to us. You know, I just spent the whole sermon talking about our Lord Jesus Christ who's done that too. We want to be in a loving place. And so we must demonstrate love to one another. Demonstrate the love of Christ. Because of time constraints, I'm not going to be able to walk through all of these together. Okay, the next one, F. We exercise faith. So we model authenticity. We demonstrate love. We exercise faith. We want to be a church that operates by faith, not by sight. Tell me the difference between a church that operates by faith as opposed to by sight. Sight is, yes, in the back, Jen. Okay. Excellent. Very good. I don't know if you caught that in terms of we're operating by faith right now. Trust me, our budget is operating by faith. <laughs> yes. Anxiety. Okay. Ang- Excellent. Excellent. We have anxiety for operating by sight. Why? Because it's on us. To be sure, we have responsibilities, but we have a God, if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean out on our own understandings, acknowledge Him and He will make our path straight. Operating by faith, I'm going to have to move on here, but we'll have more parts for questions, means that we're willing to take risks. Okay, Church of the Redeemer should be a place that should not function if God is not in it. Because we are operating by faith. It should be operating on a different plane of existence. Now, does that mean that we don't take into account common sense and good business practices and principles? No. God has given us all of those things, and yet we operate by faith. That means taking risks because we're walking by faith. If ever you look at the Scripture and you see people walking by faith, it was a bit of a risky business. But maybe you've been part of a church that operates by sight. And the truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit left the building 10 years ago and you couldn't tell the difference. We want to tell the difference. If the Holy Spirit leaves the building, this thing just sort of shuts down on itself because we want to operate by faith. Okay, down at the bottom T, we embrace truth. I think this is one of the great distinctives of our church. You know, if you ask me DNA footprints of, you know, what kind of makes uh, Redeemer unique, the PCA has always had a tradition of really going after truth. If you want to ask me, you know, what is the word PCA sort of define? The PCA is scholars. Examine the word intently, day in, day out. We want to be scholars. We want to embrace truth and go to truth. In fact, we we have kind of two slogans, a slogan that we've started with and are morphing more and more into, integrating faith and life. But if you go to our website, you'll see a sort of new slogan. And that slogan is truth that transforms. That, That sort of is our own distinctive. We want, when someone comes here, they're going to get strong biblical teaching and truth grounded on the scriptures, not on emotionalism, on the word of God. And true truth transforms people. And so we embrace truth. Now, I want to go all the way up to the top where it says that we practice, this is the last one, humility. Strange value. I'm glad to hear people talking about it, and I'm not surprised because I think it's a part of who we are, that we practice humility. Why is humility so important? Because God does not work through stiff-necked people. 
God doesn't work through proud people. God works through broken beggars like you and me. And so we practice humility not only with God, but we must practice humility with one another. We must put down our right to be right all the time. We must look to one another with the attitude of Christ Jesus. Think, besides love, humility is the greatest trait in the Bible as I, as I analyze it and study it. It's interesting, when you read the story of Moses, Moses was considered the most humble person on the face of the earth. And so, we practice humility, we model authenticity, we demonstrate love, we exercise faith, and we embrace truth. I made a little acrostic there, half T. I couldn't figure out how to put them all together into a word. If someone can figure that out, I would appreciate it. But half T, humility, authenticity, love, faith, and truth, the core values of who we want to be here at Church of the Redeemer. Now, these who we are values translate into what we do. What we believe ultimately translates into what we do. So now we want to talk a little bit about what we do values. Some of which we're doing right now and some of which we need to become stronger in doing. Keep in mind, this is a blueprint that hopefully 30 years from now we're going to be talking about Church of the Redeemer and talking about the values of who we are and what we do. So um, here's a couple that I think are critical. The first I'd write in these two words, worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. We are a worshiping church because we worship the one true God. We are a praying church because we are dependent on the one true God. And so we have begun new activities that begin to reflect more and more who we are. A stronger focus on our worship ever. Let me tell you what, our worship guys are just coming out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how they're stepping up to the forefront. I just, I loved our worship and, you know, the, the time they put into it. And we're going we're gonna to take it to the next level. We're going to push, I'm going to push them, push them to become stronger and better at worship because the Lord deserves our worship. In the right spirit. But we worship. We've started prayer together, the gathering, 6.30 a.m., Wednesday morning. That's a special time. If you can get out there, get out there for it. If you can't, just wake up right where you're at and do it. Sunday, 9 o'clock a.m., we meet in, in the cafeteria right there in that area to pray. Because prayer is important. It's just what we do. You know, I'd love someone from this congregation who feels the call to say, you know what, I'm going to be the prayer coordinator for this church. Prayer coordinator for this church is extremely critical. So if God is tugging on your heart, come see me afterwards and we'll talk about that. Worship and prayer. Okay, next word. What we do, community. We are the community. We come together. We are not only do community, but we be community as well. We love hanging out. That's why we do bagels and coffee and look for opportunities to share. And we're going to look for opportunities to do community together outside of the church as well. We're going to be talking more about small groups uh, that are going to be uh, starting up. We're starting up these things called journey groups that I'm going to talk about later. Opportunities for people to get together and have community. Very critical. Okay, next words. Training or equipping. Training and equipping. They are the, the same words. Training and equipping. Remember our three distinctives. Home, mission, training center. Scriptures say, train yourself to be godly. One of the things we need to grow up into maturity is not only maturity in our character, but we need skills. How do I pray? How do I share my faith? How do I do those things? I don't know how to do those. You know, people are saying, I need tools, and it's the job of the church to do tools. So we're going to be talking a lot more about that. Next, service and mercy. Service 
and mercy. Not only serving one another, acts of mercy to one another. We want to be a church that loves one another, that really reaches out to one another, but we want to reach out to the world around us. And the, the words service and mercy are a universal language which everybody understands. And so we want, how can we do that? You know, I appreciate Jim Williams who's going to the potter's house every week and kind of representing us and acts of mercy. How do we do that better? And my hope is within our congregation, we're going to raise up people that say, I got exactly what we're going to work on here, here, and here. How can we serve, serve one another, acts of mercy for one another? Two more words, outreach. Outreach. We don't want to be the church that is in the four walls. We want to be the church that is gathered and scattered. Going out, impacting and engaging the world around us. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. And then finally, stewardship. Stewardship is us taking what we have, our skills, our relationships, our finances, and how can we become better and better at using what we have to glorify God. And so we are going to become expert stewards, corporately as a church and individually, back and forth. So our what we do values, worship, prayer, community, training, equipping, service and mercy, outreach and stewardship. Okay, let's move on to 2.3. We've talked about our values, now I want to talk about our vision. Our vision answers the question, what are we trying to accomplish? Where are we trying to go? At the end of this thing, somebody paint me a picture of what Redeemer is going to look like. And this is, uh, this is what we're trying to accomplish here. We are trying to, our vision is to make mature and equipped disciples, 2.3, mature and equipped disciples used to transform their families, this community, and the world beyond. Our vision, our picture is to make mature and equipped disciples used to transform their families, this community, and the world beyond. Now we've already talked a little bit about maturity, that God's goal, His desire, is to grow us up into maturity. Well, isn't that God's job to do that? The answer is yes, this process of sanctification, but God calls us to participate in us. Participate in this. And the church is the vehicle that he's using to make that happen. I love this verse, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a picture of maturity, of growing up. Jesus in His great commission says, Go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so, in church, we're looking for maturity. And we are called to participate. Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed not only in my presence but in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to act according to His purpose. 
And so we're going to talk more about how we do this, how we raise up mature and equip disciples. But I want to talk about the second part of this mission statement. To make mature and equipped disciples used to transform their families, this community, and the world beyond. What do I mean by this word transformation? When you hear me use the word transformation, what comes to mind? Take off the old and put on the new. Beautiful. Isn't that a beautiful scriptural picture? Great. What else? New creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, 18, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I don't have any of those metamorphosis flyers, but you know this Acts series that we've been walking through is called Metamorphosis. God's plan to transform everything. This is a beautiful picture here of metamorphosis, what God is doing in us, but also what God is doing through us, used to transform this community so Michael forth. Bay. What's that? Michael Bay. Michael Bay? Oh, of course. <laughs> Michael Bay of Transformers. Only you would know that, Jeff. Thank you. And the means that which God is using to transform other people is people. Think about that. God wants to transform us, and God wants to use us to transform the world around This passage here with Peter and John that I spoke about is the perfect example of that. These guys being God's ambassadors, God's witnesses, carrying this message of the gospel of Christ used to transform people. And what happens? God is calling people to Himself. And does anyone know the word for church in Greek? Random question. I'm not going to let you answer, Cal. Anyone else? Anyone? I heard some. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Does anyone know what ecclesia means? Kaleo is Greek, which means to call, and ek means out. The called out is what ecclesia means. The church was created to call out his people. Back in the day in Athens or whatever, when they would summon the army, they would ekkaleo. The call would go out and the army would assemble. That's exactly what God is doing right now. He is assembling His people. And the means that He is using to assemble His people is people. Romans 8.19 The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. And what that means is the ecclesia is not full yet. And when the ecclesia is full, when the church is full, when all of God's people has been gathered, then the world will end and the new dawn will begin. And so the church is called to participate this. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that what we have is from God and not for us. And we take this treasure out into the world. And so as we look upon our community, we realize that hidden amidst people are sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in Christ who are waiting to be revealed. And so God calls us to be mature and equipped disciples used to go out and to transform our families, this community, and the world beyond. What an awesome responsibility. But it also shows us that we're learning and growing not only for ourselves. We learn and grow for those around us, and for those out there. So we must measure our effectiveness against the purpose of a church. The success of a church 
is to be measured by the transformative impact it is having on the people in it and the world around it. So our mission statement tells us that four walls of the church is only, it is too short. God's calling us out into the world. Um, So we're looking for the spilling out, if you will, of maturity and so forth. Which brings us to our last point. We are committed to a well-defined mission. Okay, we have a God-honoring purpose to glorify God. We have a God-centered vision to make mature and equipped disciples. Well, how are we going to do that? How does that become reality? I'm going to give you four words here, but I'm going to save my thunder for later for one of the the, the deeper sessions. Uh, Session number three, uh, excuse me, next week we're going to talk about Redeemer as a mission. Right here, here are the three words. How do we go about accomplishing our, our vision? Number one, winsomely engaging. Winsomely engaging the unchurch where we work, live, and play. Engaging the world around. Something happens when we engage the world. When we go in the name of Jesus Christ, just like Peter and John. God uses us to expose, this is word two, people to the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're active, attractively exposing the unchurched to God's word and God's people. When we engage the world and when we brush up against people, people go, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but I like it. And I want to know more. And so that leads them to wanting to know more through your life and through this church. I'm really committed to this church being a place where you can bring anybody you like. And you're not going to have the embarrassment that we are not, we're going to do a poor job in terms of how we represent the kingdom or a job of not being able to speak to where people are at. Because I know it's a big risk for you to invite someone to church. So we're going to engage with the view of exposing them. Now what's going to happen there? When people are exposed to God's Word in a miraculous way, a mystical way that I don't fully examine, I, I don't fully understand, it gets a grip on the hearts of some people and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now most people would say our work is done there. They've come to Christ. Done. Let's move on. Now our work has only begun, particularly as a pastor. For our job is now to grow people into maturity. So we look to sponsor them into membership in the church. I want, spon- I want membership here to be a big deal at Redeemer. Big deal in terms of what Redeemer is trying to do to help you to grow and the commitments you're making to Redeemer uh, to grow. Some of you have become members in the four statements of uh, the worship and work and protecting the purity and discipline of the church. We're going to flesh those out a little bit more as we move into what does that really mean? Let's put some teeth on those things. So we're looking to sponsor people into membership. People who have come from way out into church. Now, are we done here? No, we're just, we're just in some ways getting started because we are looking then to disciple them to maturity in Christ. What does that look like? I'm not telling you. You're going to have to come back to learn a little bit more about that. So discipling members, what we call life on life, missional discipleship. So there we have um, our well-defined mission, how we're going to go about accomplishing our mission. Let me take a, a second here after I turn this off.
uh, to take any questions or comments. We have a couple of minutes that you may have on anything that we've discussed today um, about Church of the Redeemer. Or maybe I did such a great job that there isn't one question out there from anyone. Any thoughts from the peanut gallery? Questions? Yes? Yes. Yes, yes. Hope you know, our goal every is we preach the gospel and the gospel is a gospel of grace. Again and again and again. You know, we never get beyond the gospel. It's never, okay, we've got this elementary truth. We're going to just go on now and the gospel's back there. Now, the gospel is like a diamond that everywhere we get, we can't get beyond the gospel. This message that we need a Redeemer because as God has justified us in Christ, He is also sanctifying us by His grace. It's the only one way we can grow up into maturity. No plan can do it. No clever uh, manipulation or marketing or whatever, save for the grace of God growing us up in Christ. There's no way. And so we are participating in the redemption that He's creating for us. We've been, been saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. So I appreciate you sharing that. Other, other comments? Yes? Yeah, it does. Well, every, you know, every church takes its own DNA flavor, but the answer I would say is we're, we're a gospel church, the whole orb of the gospel, the whole unit. I think you'll see a lot of elements of teaching in that. I think the community uh, is a very powerful element of who we are, the authenticity and that brokenness feel. But, uh, you know, I hesitate to say, hey, we're going to be this church. I mean, if you look at our mission our vision, and our values. That's really going to communicate. These are the things that we're going to be hitting on again and again and again. Humility, authenticity, love, faith, truth. But also an element of engage, engage. So the truth that transforms is a pretty good slogan of how we are communicating who we are. Truth and transformation. So I don't know if I answered that. Any other questions? Two more minutes and then we'll wrap it up. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate you staying. Next week, we're going to do this again. Um, and we're going to be talking about Redeemer is a mission. What does that mean? What does that look like? Redeemer is a mission. So make sure to come back for that. Let me pray for us and then we'll finish. Lord, we thank you for this powerful vision that you've given us. We thank you that you've given us a home, a place where we can come and be safe. Lord, I pray that Redeemer would be a safe home for us a place where our needs can be met and where the church can help us to grow by this plan, transforming us more and more into your likeness through this training and equipping and relationships that you've given us, Lord. We thank you and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.
Men, we need a little help with the chairs, actually, kind of those going on the back racks. So I appreciate you helping with that. If you have any more questions, come on up and talk to me. Thank you. Well, that's all right. I figured it might have got wrapped I should have known it was you. What do you mean? You're eight minutes over. I am. I'm sorry. Hey, thanks, Carl. Excellent. Hey, uh, are we doing the drinking? Yeah, time? tomorrow. I'm going to send an email out today at, at office. Uh, office. Seven. Seven o'clock office. Super. Attendance. Awesome. Thank you, Ken. And you want us to, to, to fill out those, those last couple of pages? Had something like yeah, that would be good. And we're going to talk about that uh, tomorrow. So if you do have time to fill that out, that would be great. I think we have one copy of the book, so I'll... Uh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll just write out whatever it is. All it is is a chart and questions. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Cool, man. Sounds good. No, I was here before, but I'm Hey, Meredith. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. Doing all right? My voice is done. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. I first moved back. It took me. I was forced at the end of the day for like three days. Oh. I'm used to talking again for six hours a day. Oh, yeah. And with kids, you got to raise your voice sometimes, too. Okay, thanks. Dan, did things work out? Huh? Did things work out for your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, we dropped him off at, um, Kim, Kim's involved with Mom. Yeah. And so, one of the ladies took him a couple minutes before, and they went to a bait shop and let the kids catch minutes with the net. So, um, nice. So, I mean, it was, it was good. We just, we rushed over and had the appointment, and then scooted, uh... Okay, let me pull those off right now. Scooted on. So, but yeah, it worked out good. So we'll good. We'll have to go um, when we originally. Thank you, man. Too many wires. Well, you know, this one's an MP. Oh, did you record this session? 